0: So it looks like everybody who is able is back. So welcome to this afternoon session. So this afternoon session is going to be very similar to this morning. I will talk, then there will be some meditation, then some walking meditation, then a shorter meditation after the walking then we'll finish with a discussion. So a little similar to this morning. So this afternoon, one of the characteristics I will talk about is the one who generally is in the middle, and it's Dukkha. Dukkha is generally translated as suffering, as pain, as Many different people have translated the term in many different ways. So, I put this is the way you write it in Pali. And I think you have to see it uh, slightly differently because dukkha, the term is in the Four Noble Truths. And then you have dukkha in the Three Characteristics. They cover a little the same ground, but at one level, a little different. So in terms of the characteristic, it's really actually about experience. In the Noble Truth, it's really more about conditionality. But we're not talking about this today in that way there. But Dukkha in the three characteristics actually has three meanings. That's why often it's not translated because it has three meaning. So I want to look at the kind of first two, which I'm not going to talk so much about first meaning is because of impermanence. So because of the first one, because of change, then one aspect of Dukkha is unreliability because things change, things are not reliable but this doesn't mean we cannot rely on things as in things can continue for a while in the same way. So we live in houses and at one level they're unreliable, but they're not destroyed every morning. Generally the houses we live in are kind of like structurally fine. So they continue even though they're unreliable because things can happen. You know, the painting kind of gets flaky and the doors kind of goes a bit funny and the boiler goes out. I mean, that's what happened to us last winter. You know, the boiler goes out. So it's unreliable up to a point, reliable up to a certain point. So in a way, it's just kind of creatively engaging with that fact that things cannot be relied upon 100% all of the time. And then if we creatively engage with the fact that things are relatively reliable, but unreliable, then it can make things a little easier when things go wrong, especially with material things. But I mean, us too, we might look like reliable people. And then sometimes, due to conditions, we're not unreliable. I'm sure Antonia did not on purpose double book. She was very contrite. So all of us, at times, are unreliable because of different things. Then there is another aspect of Dukkha is what's called with this funny... Long winded word, unsatisfactoriness. And this is just saying, again, because things are changing and reliable, they're unsatisfactory only as much as they cannot give us lasting satisfaction. That's what it's saying. It doesn't mean that we cannot have a certain level of satisfaction some of the time. It's just saying you cannot have it last forever. So in a way, it makes a difference between maybe us wanting things to really last in the same way all the time. And then the fact that they might not. And so in a way, instead of looking for lasting satisfaction, which kind of is impossible, we are actually creatively engaging with what I would call contentment. So in a way, in a way we kind of like with unreliability, you could say to me, unreliability helps me to rejoice when things work. To me, this is very much kind of like goes together, kind of modita, which is rejoicing and really appreciating, oh, this works. This is what I really experienced a lot because I used to live in Korea long ago and then things really were not reliable. And then coming to live in Europe, suddenly everything was kind of more reliable, the electricity, the water, Things seems to work more or less most of the time. And I was always, wow, this works, this is nice. So, in a way, you can see the creative engagement. And then with the unsatisfactoriness is to realize, yeah, things are wonderful, but it won't last. Whatever it might be, it cannot last. But it doesn't mean again, I cannot. Enjoy it while it lasts. But we have to be careful of the perception that something is going to give me lasting satisfaction. But instead, in a way, we can enjoy contentment. And kind of, in a way, contentment, simplicity. Nowadays, a word in French which is very popular, sobriety. So, in a way, kind of. Uh, something more simple, simplified. But what I want really to talk about is a third aspect of Dukkha, which is pain. And then it's really kind of like pain. And so it's when things are painful, when things are unpleasant. And today I would like to connect that do something I'm very interesting in, in terms of strong emotion. And I would say, why do we expre- experience strong emotion? And here, because we're talking about Dukkha, I am going to focus more on unpleasant, because of course, we can experience strong emotion, which are actually happy you could experience strong emotion of happiness, of joy, or love. But here again, you can have one which is a little amplified and agitating, and one which might still be love, joy, etc. But doesn't have that possibly disturbing, grasping element. But this is not what we're talking about now. But if you want to talk about it during the discussion we can so pain if we look at strong negative emotion like anger and fear anxiety sadness depression etc i would suggest that it has a lot to do with unpleasant tonality and it's what is called dukkha vedana So I am not so sure how you are familiar with this term Vedana. And Vedana you can translate simply as feeling, but this is feeling as in feeling tone, tonality of experience upon contact through the senses. So this is really basic. So you could say that in terms of looking at it from a Buddhist point of view, Experience, you have the contact and the perception of a sound, a sight, a taste, a sensation, a thought. And then immediately there is a tonality. Could be pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. And then that tonality, especially if it's unpleasant, as I mentioned, we have a stronger kind of reactivity to that for survival purpose, then that unpleasant tonality can become what I would nearly call a feeling sensation in the body, which then can become an emotion and which then can become a disturbing emotion. And so that's why personally, I think mindfulness of Vedana can be really interesting. And the Buddha points out a lot about that's a second pillar of mindfulness, being aware of the tonality of experience. Because I think a lot of the time, that's where it starts with these three things together, contact, perception, and feeling or tonality. So what does the Buddha says about Dukkha Vedana, so painful feeling, unpleasant tonality, is that as soon as we experience it, we have this immediate reaction of pushing it away. And even he has a text where we say that you not only just have the experience of unpleasant, but then you have the unpleasantness of your reaction to what is unpleasant. And he has this text. So maybe I'll read the text. But you might be familiar with. So when one is contacted by a painful feeling, one sorrows, grieves, laments, beating one's breath, breast becoming distraught. And at that time, the person feels two feelings: a bodily one and a mental one. So what he is saying, because we have this reactivity to unpleasant tonality, in a way we have a tendency to amplify it. And so that's why kind of like unpleasant tonality generally goes quite fast, amplify. But then there is another thing which is interesting in terms of tonality. And I think that's something interesting to look at in meditation is change. And that's why a kind of a nun in ancient times said is that as long as an unpleasant tonality continues, it is painful. But when it stops, it becomes pleasant. And this, in a way, it's interesting that sometimes, and she said the same with as long as it's pleasant, it's pleasant when it stops the pleasant can become unpleasant. So in a way, here you have two things. That you have a pleasant tonality, and then when it stops, because that pleasantness stops, instead of being neither pleasant nor unpleasant, it becomes unpleasant. But if it's unpleasant, it (gasps) stops. It's such a relief. You know, when you stop having a headache, or when you stop having a problem, or whatever it is, and it's like, (sighs) ah, It stops. So in a way, you have also the changing nature of painful feeling. One important thing in terms of painful feeling, unpleasant tonality, so when we experience pain, you could say when we experience dukkha, is that generally it makes it painful, that's obvious, but it's also isolating. I think this is one of the difficulty with pain of any kind, that it be mental, emotional, physical, whatever pain it might be, nobody can experience our pain for us. So at that level, it's quite isolating. And Sometimes it's interesting when long ago, the first time I really had lots of pain, my first thought when I was a nun was, why me? And then I realized this is not very compassionate. You're basically saying, why not somebody else? (laughs) It's not such a good idea. And then to see, oh, that's what the Buddha talks about. Not that everything is painful, but that there is pain. And in a way, when there is pain, how can we creatively engage with it. And so, in a way, one of the thing I see as amplifying factor is what I call ice associated. When we have an unpleasant tonality, when we have a painful feeling. it feel the same the way it feels generally is very similar to other past unpleasant experience it has the same feel in in the sense we could say it gives us a same reaction and so when we experience a painful feeling now A lot of the time, it's very hard not to associate it with past painful feelings, which had different conditions, not all the time, but a lot of the time. But this is going to compound it. So we could say that the mindfulness of unpleasant tonality in part is to help us to dissolve that association, in terms of what is happening now. Not it's similar to this in the past, but what are the conditions now? Because in the same way, we can project it in the future. If I experience this now, I'm going to experience it like this, or worse in the future, which might be possible but not necessarily so. I mean, again, it depends on what kind of pain it is. So here, then you again have the three levels of pain. You have light, then you have habitual, then you have intense. And so again, the same thing happens. If we have, I mean, you have physical pain, mental pain. Here we talk a lot more about emotional pain, strong emotion. And so when it's light, again, how long does it last? When you recognize it as something you experienced before, what are the conditions? When it's intense, how can we not amplify it? So here, Now, I want to look at it in terms of two strong emotions we might feel some of the time. The first one is anger. If we take anger, and I know often anger has a bad press in Buddhism, but personally, I think anger is just a, a function, a creative function. And the function is to give us energy and give us concern. But one of the difficulty with anger is that it has very energy, lots of energy. So it's hot and it's explosive. So it's kind of like, it's to make us do something. And so in a way you could say you have what I would call constructive, creative anger. And that I would, uh, one of the, Good example I experienced was long ago at the peace conference, where suddenly there was this kind of little guy, old guy, who appeared on stage and everybody was talking about peace, and all of us were kind of slightly falling asleep with all this peaceful vibe. And then this little guy, who is one of my hero, suddenly said, I am angry. I am angry at poverty. I am angry at homelessness. And this was Labbé Pierre, who was an amazing priest who actually really worked so hard to help people who were poor and who were homeless and really helped to change things in France. And he was one of the early ones in the 50s, in the 60s, I mean, he's died now. And so here he was angry at something and his anger gave him the energy to do something wise and compassionate about it. But then you have what I would call disturbing anger when actually the anger makes us attack, makes us be aggressive and generally makes us unwise and uncompassionate. And often we lead to regret. And so then it become interesting to look at anger in terms of the three level. Because the thing with the three level, if you wait to do something about anger when it's intense, it's kind of late. It's very hard to not be activated when anger is intense. So then we can, I would say, work more when it's light. And then you can notice impatience. This is an interesting feeling. You're feeling calm and then suddenly something is a little unpleasant. You're a little activated and suddenly... You're impatient, or you're like literally irritated. It's interesting that movement from calm to suddenly. And what is happening? Generally, an unpleasant tonality. Something did not work the way you wanted or somebody did something or whatever it is. It's interesting. How does it feel, that impatience? that irritability and it also brings the nervous system up then you have habitual where again and again you see yourself reacting like myself with the when i'm tired or or other people something really again you have the trigger contributing factor and the condition and this is really interesting to explore And then you have the third one where you feel so you're angry and you explode or not. I mean, different people have different ways. And then how to work with that. And here you have in a way a little the conundrum that do I say something and it might be unwise and I might regret it Or do I don't say anything and then I become resentful and then later down the line, I will say something which will be unwise and I might regret. This is very interesting. This kind of like looking when it's intense. And so in a way, creative engagement is really kind of see what is going on? What am I feeling? What am I reacting to? What can I do? Is it better not to do it now? Is it better to do it later, to speak later? How can I get the help of somebody else? So I think, again, in the discussion, we can look at that in terms of how do I creatively engage? Then you have another one I'll mention briefly is fear. Fear. I mean, this personally, I think, is very important. It's a survival mechanism. It's really our whole organism, kind of red alert. But then, is it a real red alert or not? And this is a little bit what the mindfulness could help us with. I remember long ago, I was walking on a path in California and suddenly my body jumped. And it's only afterward I realized the jump was so that I would not put my foot on a small rattlesnake which was sunning on the path. So my body saw it before me, actually, before my. So this is a good feeling to make us survive. And then also what is interesting with the light fear is to notice when we have a near accident, we have a near accident. So we don't have the accident. We nearly had it, but once we nearly had it, but did not have it, actually we feel fear in the whole body and mind. When I used to live in Devon, I used to often experience this because of the narrow lane and then you had the choice do i feed in ah, this is terrible this nearly happened and what if it had happened or just noticing how the fear felt and it was okay then you have more like when it's habitual and then with this fear anxiety which is habitual one of the things I really kind of look at is how fear is contagious if I am afraid I can make other people afraid if other people are afraid they can make me afraid and then the question is is it for a good reason or is it not for any real reason so this is something kind of, I think, we really need to look at in terms of fear. That, and I mean, I was, uh, I know everybody has different relationship with COVID. But when we started again to be a little together, uh, teaching and things like that, I thought it was interesting. The first time looking at the people and at one level being afraid of them, are they contagious or not? and then you stayed together and then nothing happened. So you think, oh, it's okay. But it's interesting fear and how we can propagate it or not. And then intense fear when it paralyzes us. And then of course, fear in the future. Often we made ourselves frightened in the future. So we are okay now, but we create an unpleasant a painful feeling thinking about what might happen. What if this happened or that happened? And so in a way, I would say here is a gift of mindfulness. What is really happening now? And in a way, this is something I learned when I was in in Korea, in the temple. once we kind of decided to do an all night sitting for a few days. And I had no problem with sitting, but I had problem with going to the toilet at night. So at night, I would go to the toilet two o'clock in the morning. And suddenly my heart would go so fast. I was so frightened. Why was I frightened? Because of my imagination, because I I had this nervous reaction to the black to the dark and and I had this image there is a guy behind me with a knife he's going to get me but then with the meditation and really inquiring what is really going on i suddenly realize i am in the middle of nowhere in the mountain Who would know that I am here to come and get me? And after that, the fear was much less, much less. So in a way, to respect fear, because I think it's a good indicator up to a point, but also to bring this creative engagement. Is this for a good reason? Is it real? Is it in the future? So in a way, how can we creatively engage in a way with the feeling that arises upon contact (gasps) and then we feel something. And so in a way, the mindfulness of the feeling tone is to help us to see it earlier than later. And also very much to look at the change of the tonality. And this is really what I want to explore during the meditation, I want to do a guided meditation on mindfulness of feeling tone. So I'll use very simple things like the body and sound and through that contact, look at change and look at tonality. So shall we do that? So if we just stand and stretch a little bit,